That is what enablement means, right? All incentives are aligned and you don't have payer success at the expense of health systems or health system success at the expense of payers or both of them at the expense of patients. Healthcare strategies hit the road. In our industry perspective series, we are coming to you from Health 2023, one of the top healthcare conferences in the US, to pull you into some of the conversations happening on the showroom floor. We did record these episodes on site, so the audio quality isn't up to our typical standards, but we hope you enjoy the added ambiance. And with that, let's jump right in. In today's episode, our VP of editorial, Kyle Murphy, caught up with Jean-Claude Sagvini, president of value-based care enablement at Lumeris, to chat about building relationships between healthcare stakeholders to improve data sharing and what exactly is value-based care enablement anyway. This is Industry Perspectives from Health 2023. Start things off, um, if you could just introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, um, Jean-Claude Sagmini, I'm president of uh, value-based care enablement at Lumeris. Um, been in technology since my since school years. I got into uh, healthcare in 2005, and I've I've worked in variety of of solutions that we brought to market, all the way from technology-based operational solutions to pure technology solutions, clinical decision support, and I've been at Lumeris now for about two and a half years, uh, driving the technology portfolio there. So at Lumeris, what we do is we are in the value-based care space, and we partner with health systems and provider networks to help them succeed in value-based care, both in terms of moving the needle on uh, outcomes and quality, as well as reducing operational costs related to that. We bring into these relationships a platform that's a combination of both technology capabilities as well as technology-powered operational capabilities. So it ends up being a long-term, multi-year partnership where we are jointly transforming uh, towards value-based care. How would you define enablement in terms of, you say, value-based care enablement? I guess, what does it need to push these organizations in that direction? Are they, do they already have an appetite or they're already interested in moving? I know there were a lot of federal initiatives that were pushing providers to move in that direction, um, but there's kind of been some backtrack. There hasn't always been success in terms of building momentum. So what does enablement kind of look like from, from your vantage point? Yeah, so be, so before getting into enablement, two things sure. to address what you, one is you cannot start without there being an appetite, right? So that's, that's a good one. The second part is that whereas value-based care has been increasing what we are seeing now is, is an imperative to move towards value-based care. We're getting to a point where we have about 64 million uh, Medicare beneficiaries. That number is going to move to about 80 million by, by the end of the decade. Uh, many of them, is, if not all of them, will be under some value-based care arrangement. And as such, the move to value-based care becomes an imperative it's a different mechanics are needed to succeed and then that gets to what is enablement so enablement is it's a multi-pronged thing one is what you need is powerful infrastructural capabilities in terms of technology all the way from data technology that can aggregate hundreds of millions of records 
whether it be claims data, clinical data, social determinants of health data. We just on a talk earlier today about social determinants of health data and its impact on care. So it's aggregating that data, the extraction of insights about these patients and both at the population level, but also at the end of one patient level. And on all the way to the action domain. So how do you take these insights and then drive action using technology to automate as much as possible, right? So that's part of it. The other part of it is a transformation, part of the enablement, is a transformation of the health system or the provider network to leverage this data and technology to change operational processes. I'll give you some examples of those, right? It could range from changing primary care governance, changing uh, primary care you know, playbooks to make them more technology-powered playbooks, so operating model within primary care services, Realigning incentives, so changing incentives, aligning contracts mm -hmm. with these incentives. So it's a multi-pronged approach in order to succeed. It's a team sport, if you will. Yeah. And, and these are all the capabilities that you need to, to succeed in value-based care. We used to, our, our organization actually, we used to do this thing called the Value-Based Care Summit. That's before the pandemic kind of ruined things. We did live events and we put providers and payers into a room. And it was the most interesting conversation you've ever heard. Because they each were thought they were just going to kind of spy on the other one talking and then figure out how they're going to gather information about each other. Are you more focused on the provider side? You mentioned claims data, so you obviously have to work with payers. Or if you're working in Medicare, I guess you're getting the UFs or whatever. Can you talk about how, how you get those different parties to the table? I've heard historically payers tend to be in a stronger position in terms of information and data than providers are, and providers tend to be a little hesitant to assume risk as a result of that. What do you see as these two groups who historically have been on the other side of the fence actually now working together towards a common goal? Yeah, really good question. The only way to succeed, and it is feasible to succeed, is to have alignment across the board. And that can be achieved, right? So the right outcomes for the patient, first and foremost, the right outcomes from the health system point of view, and the right outcomes from a payer point of view, across both patient sort of care and call. And that is what enablement means, right? It, it's an enablement to make sure that all incentives are aligned and that you don't have payer success at the expense of health systems or health system success at the expense of payers or both of them at the expense of patients. And, and that is feasible, right? Because at the end of the day, what is being extracted out of the overall healthcare system are inefficiencies that are detrimental to everybody, right? It's not like, you know, sort of, you know, everybody's happy with the inefficiency. Everybody wants to extract them. So we power all of that with data and ensuring that if that data is the same and everybody's collaborating based on the right metrics, the right measures, they're computed the right way, and they're thought about ahead of time, that everybody can be successful in the model. Now, when you mentioned kind of Medicare, so Medicare Part C with Medicare Advantage, obviously those plans have been growing in terms of popularity. Is it, you know, the shift to value-based care at the system level essential to kind of matching what kind of the market drivers are with more and more folks opting into these plans. And we know that that boomer generation is about to increase the Medicare population astronomically. Yeah, look, at, at some point, you know, you could have operated with a side sort of project of value-based care. Probably the driver for it would have been Medicare Advantage. 
and some other Medicare programs. But you know, Medicare has been the biggest driver. CMS has been the biggest driver towards value-based care. At this point in time, it has to become an essential component of a health system functions or, or, or how a provider network functions. One is because there are also value-based contracts across commercial populations as well, right? So you have to deal with those. But also, it's inevitable that given the sheer volume of patients who are going to have some sort of a value-based arrangement or compensation model associated with them, it can no longer be an optional thing on the side. It's becoming now existential to the success of health systems. Do organizations need a strategic technology partner to do this? You know, the successful groups that I've seen had these strong technology skills, you know, the reliance of the world and Atrius Health of the world before they got kind of acquired or merged with other organizations. They had a strong data core, but it, to me it doesn't seem to be common across many health systems to really, they don't really have that long history of experience in value-based care. So do they need to look outside their organization for that expertise? I believe they do. One is because the data you need is data that's outside of your own four walls as a health system, right? You need data that's coming from a patient getting admitted at the ER, you know, one block down the street at another hospital, right? You need data about that patient when they travel to Florida and are getting care in Florida and whether they are medication adherent or not. So the scope of the data you need as a health system goes far beyond the data you have yourself only. Do you need, again, we talked about claims data, lab data, pharmacy data, 360 data across the board. They need sort of best of breed of that data. It's not only the data, right? The data yeah. is an extremely difficult component. Unfortunately, in 2023 in healthcare data is an extremely difficult thing, yeah. and yet it's not sufficient. You need what kind of insights do you derive from that data that are the right insights for value-based care? Yeah. And then with that, it's not sufficient because you need to figure out with that insight, uh, technology-based, what is the action to take? And then with that, yet not enough, what you need is, okay, now that I'm taking an action, how do I operationalize how to take the action and then the incentives around taking the action? So it's a pretty broad transformation. What technology does is it makes it easier to adopt as a transformation, right? Because not everything is truly blocking and tackling and every process has to be changed. Technology streamlines some of that change management because you can relegate some of the tasks to, for technology to take. Yeah, I was going to want to ask you about workflow, just how the value-based workflow kind of, how it should operate. I've heard in the past that you need team-based models, so you need to have these care teams and with different roles and assignments like that. But I wonder if technology can also kind of streamline that too, based on not every organization is going to have the same staffing model. I'm curious about how that impacts the workforce. Yeah, oh, you know, great question. I mean, the biggest impact is that it frees up the workforce to do the things that the workforce today is not able to do. Uh, I'm just give patient some care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll give some examples, right? Like very, very crisp examples. With the insights, you can derive what is the next best action for a patient. You know, an outreach for a patient to schedule a screening, any type of cancer screening, for example an outreach for a patient because we detected they are non-med adherent and you need a pharmacist to talk to them to see if the barrier is affordability, transportation, they took the medicine, we, you know, we just don't know, right? Um, 
a patient gets admitted at a ED and then post-discharge you want to do a follow-up within X time. All of these things are highly automatable tasks. At the edge node, a human needs to interact and make a decision. But if we take away all of these automation tasks of knowing what's wrong with the patient and then automating as much as possible to get them to a, to a good state and hand off only the exceptions at the end to the experts, clinicians to deal with, is how we scale the work of the clinicians. But that is where we are seeing it. the biggest impact of technology is that automation, freeing up clinical resources to tackle the exceptions and the, and focus on the highest need patients. Now you talked, you mentioned social need. Obviously a lot of the value-based care is built on population health, but there's also the individual within the population. How, how difficult of a challenge is it to acquire that data, those individual's details, to connect, to understand that individual as part of a community, yeah. and then to make sure that the action actually leads to the outcome. Yeah, yeah. This was literally the talk we just had. Well, good. Then you yeah. had a warm up, no. so now you're ready to go through no. it again. No, this is this is a fantastic question. The data, consumer-based data, consumer-based data about patients is available. In this case, it's not being used to market to them, right? We're using the data to further derive insights from a whole bunch of data, thousands of data points. We narrow that down to a series of healthcare impactful insights about social determinants. For example, affordability, language barrier, <coughs> geographical sort of challenges in, in transportation and whatnot. And what we have seen is that if you take those data elements and if you combine them with your typical data elements about a patient, which is the lab results, the comorbidities they have, the, the, the medications they're on, it's, uh, when they saw a patient, screenings, etc. If you combine those two data sets, typical data sets in healthcare with these data sets, and you build models based on that combination, predictive models like risk of readmission or risk of ED utilization in, in year or in month or whatever, those models become extremely more accurate which is, after the fact, becomes logical because we as humans are more than the sum of our clinical data. Yes, right? <laughs> I would hope so. We hope so, right? <laughs> so, and, and so what we try to put is put in all the other data that matters, you know, in your care as a person. Yeah. And we, we're finding great success in, in having more accurate models that are more believable. And then when you take action on them, you can truly move the needle. Now, in terms of moving that needle, what are some of the obstacles you see in the way of coming full circle in terms of building momentum for this? So I guess each use case that you're working on kind of builds evidence for why this works. This is just really about educating the provider community. What's it going to really take to make this more widespread? Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm going to call out three things, probably many things. <laughs> call out three things. One is having the right incentive models. Yeah. The second thing is ensuring that you have success stories and you, you hinted at that 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 can start showing that by you know implementing these changes in workflow we are truly delivering on the outcomes right because it's you know there's a bit of a leap of faith but we have many examples now many many examples of successful implementations right so so one is showing some proof points and the third one is physicians are overworked you know they do not need you know the yet the 
27th new workflow on this side to deal with. So how do you take insights in that change and make it integral in the typical workflow and to the extent that you're impacting workflow, take away work versus yeah. ad work? So, and, and you know, again, there are many things, but these are the <laughs> top three that I would, I would call out. And then my last question for you is a conference like this, I guess, what attracts you to it and what do you look to learn from an experience like this that brings together so many different types of organizations, really across healthcare and even into the life sciences? Yeah. One is uh, just be able to, on a periodic basis, I mean, fantastic conference, like, you know, amazing if you heard this conference, right? <laughs> just be able to see, like, what is the thinking? Like, what are people thinking about, you know, practically? What are the things that work, that don't work? Like, how do you all learn from each other? We haven't solved yet the problem in healthcare, so <laughs> there's a lot of learning from each other to do. That's number one. The second one is, you know, just selfishly, just getting exposed to new thoughts and new ideas, etc., just makes your neurons fire differently in your brain for you know the two, three days, and and you just sort of you got that brain you know, itch. Yeah, you just want to learn new things. Yeah, and then you leave humble, right? By like, <laughs> oh my god, right? And so it's, I mean, I think it's just a fantastic opportunity. Uh, you know, we can't, we don't do that every day because we do our normal work every day. But it's when we get to do that, it's an amazing. I say it's nice to get out. Yeah. Again. After yeah. so many years of not being out. So we appreciate your Absolutely. time today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for joining us on this first episode of Healthcare Strategies Industry Perspectives. When you get a chance, subscribe to our channels on Spotify and Apple and leave us a review to let us know what you think of this new series. More industry perspectives are on the way, so stay tuned. This is a Tech Target production.